Hello, everybody. Just a quick disclaimer before this week's episode. As you know, we've been recording our episodes remotely lately due to the COVID-19 pandemic, so please excuse the slight dip in audio quality. I also wanted to give a shout out to all the nurses, doctors, and medical professionals working every day to save lives. Y'all are the real heroes, and we love you. And now, here's the show. From the beautiful city of West Hollywood, we bring you Film Forward, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. Hey, hey, welcome to Film Forward, everybody. Hope everybody is doing well. Hope everybody's staying safe and sane. We're very excited about today's guest. She is a staff writer on the show One Day at a Time. The show is amazing, and it's just kicked off its fourth season, airing Tuesday nights on Pop TV. Our guest is Miss Allison Wong. Allison, thank you for joining us today. Oh, hi. Thanks for having me. Such a pleasure to not be there. Yes, I know. Be yes. here in my home by myself. <laughs> Before we get into how the show's dealing with it, I just want to check in on you. How are you holding up dealing with this whole social distancing thing? Yeah, it's um, it's an adjustment. Um, my girlfriend and I live together, so we're able to maintain some regular life things. Like if I had to be by myself in an apartment, I'd probably go insane. So right. I'm lucky to have um, another person to bounce my insanity off of. But it's, you know, it's been difficult. The show has stopped production, which means that my job is pretty much stopped. Right. So that's like always so cool. <laughs> and so it's been a little bit weird. It's been a weird transition. But, you know, my family is safe and healthy and I'm safe and healthy. And I'm just, you know, holding out and hoping that we can get through it. And, you know, not too many people will will be affected, but... It's, it's really, it's really weird. It's a really weird time. It is a weird time. Like it doesn't stop being weird. It's hard to like put into words how yeah. I feel about it. Cause like at one second I'll be like, okay, this is fine. I can deal with this. And then the next second I'm like, but the kids, but the kids in cages, yeah, they have it and undocumented workers. And I just freak out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm in the zone writing or something and I'm like, I kind of tune out what's, what's happening for a while. And then I go for yeah. a walk with my dog. And then I'm like, good God, what the end of the world is happening? Where, yeah. where is the, everybody? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I walk my imaginary dog, Walter. I had to imagine myself a dog for this. That's this the sign quarantine. that the, the, the craziness is setting in. You're walking yeah. an imaginary dog now. But I feel like my insanity is like a pretty safe insanity. Yeah. Well, I was trying to walk my imaginary dog yesterday and my girlfriend was like, you can't go out right now. There's a guy waving a gun down the street. I just got a notification on next door, whatever that app is. And I was like, okay, all right. So I'm going insane. But perhaps, <laughs> sir, you could go insane in a different way. Right, yeah. There are options, you know. It sounds like that gun waving guy needs an imaginary dog. Exactly. I'm like, just imagine yourself a dog. And he could be a little hyperactive. That keeps me busy. I have a hyperactive <laughs> imaginary dog. And, you know, I feel like that's a much safer way to go. It is. It is. It, it hurts barely anyone. Barely anyone. You know, we're dealing. We, uh, you're dealing. We, uh, we take it uh, one day at a time, if you will. I've heard, I've heard that phrase. It means something. <laughs> Let's get into the show. For our friends, our listeners who, who aren't familiar, tell the audience a little bit about One Day at a Time. Sure. Okay. Well, One Day at a Time is a wonderfully fun sitcom. It's like old school, three camera style sitcom. And it was originally a Norman Lear show in the 70s. 
And uh, it recently has been updated to feature a Cuban-American family, which is super cool. And it's really fun. It's like a nice blend of a really uplifting family comedy, but also like really sharp, funny jokes, obviously, because I write them. <laughs> and so it's it's really fun. It's a good thing to watch right now, you know? Absolutely. When you need something that's not horrible. I really love this show. Thank you. Saying that genuinely, it hits home for me. I was raised by a single mom mm-hmm. and also lived with my mom and my grandma together uh, for many, many years. So, Oh, wow. So, so you know it. So, so much of this show is really just uh, speaking to my real life. Yeah. You guys are hitting the nail on the head. Not that you don't already know that. Well, thank you. I'm glad uh, I contribute so little. So I really appreciate <laughs> that. And the show has kind of a an interesting history uh, as of late. The show... The first three seasons were on Netflix, mm-hmm. um, and then it got canceled stupidly, even though it had s- such a devout fan base. So stupid. So stupid. So but now stupid. it's moved to cable TV, which I think makes it the first show ever to make the jump from a streaming platform to cable. That's what they told me, that it is the first to have done that. Yeah, um, which, is, which cool. is pretty cool. Pretty cool. Were you on the show for that that transition? Um, no. Or did you come just after that? So they canceled the show um, after three seasons on Netflix. And then I met Mike Royce, who's the showrunner. I met with him after it was canceled for a different show. Mm. And I was like, you know, I loved your show. And he was like, well, it's not dead. They're trying to bring it back. We'll see. We'll see. And I was like, okay, great. That sounds like it won't happen, but great. Um, <laughs> right, and yeah. then a couple of months later, it happened and it came back and it was on Pop TV. And then he he contacted me right away, actually, which was really, really nice. And he was like, you know, I want you to come in. And then so, yeah, so I started working on it as they were transitioning into Pop and like dealing with the differences between Netflix and Pop. Right. Which is it's all very interesting. It's all very strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've been like getting a very good education in like how everything works, like how these businesses really work. And it's all a business and it's all about numbers and money. And it's really interesting. Well, I read an interview with Mike Royce, the showrunner. Mm-hmm. He said, what have you learned from this whole process and this transition? He's like, I learned that I know absolutely nothing about the industry yeah. because where I come from, like when it, when a show was canceled, it was canceled. Yeah. I mean, it's great. And I, I know your fans are stoked that it's found a new home and it's back to life. Yeah. I mean, the fans are crazy like so I wasn't there for seasons one through three so I like didn't really I wasn't in on the whole like fandom and then when I got there season four I was like oh you guys are like a boy band like there's insane fan pages out there of like people are obsessed with these characters and these relationships like the relationships between the kids and the grand like people are obsessed with this show and I was I was like oh oh okay Okay, so um, I'm just going to get a lot of random followers that have no idea who I am, but okay, sounds great. <laughs> right. Hey, we all need the followers. Yeah, right? right? I mean, <laughs> at least I didn't have to buy them. It's right. Free followers. Like me. Yeah. Like a sucker like me. <laughs> I follow you for free. Oh, thanks. Yeah, you're very welcome. Can you speak to any of the changes? Obviously, you weren't there for the for the Netflix days, but kind of just being in the writer's room, were you privy to any of the big differences that were happening between Netflix and when you guys made the transition into pop TV? Yeah. The great thing about Mike and Gloria is that they're like really, really open. There's about four staff writers in the room. And then the other four are, you know, higher ups who uh, were on the show before. Mm -hmm. So Mike and Gloria like make it a point to teach us like the staff writers and, and 
explain things to us and like, you know, really give us an easy time as a staff writer. You know, they, they want us to have a good time and they want us to succeed. And it's that's amazing, incredibly refreshing. And like, I feel like the luckiest person in the world because I've heard many stories where they are not supportive. Yeah. I actually didn't know this before I started writing, but you know, uh, when you see executive producer, consulting producer, supervising producer, those credits, those are all just writers. They're writers. Yeah. Um, but they are the producers of the show. So a lot of that stuff gets discussed in the room. One of the differences I think is budget, you know, because they went to pop TV, like a lot of the budget stuff had to change and Sony who owns the show um, really had to like look at the numbers. So I think a lot of the budget stuff is different this year. However, I don't, I can't see it. I don't think, I mean, you know, also the other writers have said that as well. They can't really see a difference, but there have been a lot of budget cuts. So that's a thing. And you know, just I think Mike and Gloria have just been like really happy with Pop's reception of us, like of the show. And they're like, Pop is just like so excited for us to be there. And I think, you know, I wasn't around, I can't speak to it, but I, I get the feeling that that's maybe a little bit different than what they had before. Yeah. You know, Mike and Gloria are really happy and that makes us really happy. And so like, you know, I think so far so good on, on switching over to Pop. I think it's it's going yeah, pretty well. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean it's it seems like a great home. Uh you guys are airing right after Shit's Creek, which is obviously a huge hit as well. Mm-hmm. Um so it's a hilarious one two punch. Yeah, it's really weird. It's like airing after like Billy Joel or something if you liked yeah. if you liked Billy Joel. I don't know why I said Billy Joel. You know, something that you love and then it's like, "Oh, and your jokes will be right after." It's very strange. Right. So we're recording this episode. The premiere has the season premiere has already aired and we're coming up on the second and third episodes. The season premiere was excellent. Oh, thanks. But now we're dealing with the coronavirus. So how is the writing team and the team in general dealing with this transition? Because obviously you guys have halted production. Yeah. But what is, um, what's your guys' process like right now? What are you guys doing? We filmed six episodes before the COVID. And my episode actually was the last one that we were able to film before everything hit. And we were the first show to cancel our live studio audience. This was like before that was like mandated. It was oh, like, wow. um, we kind of don't think this might be a good idea right now. And Rita Moreno's really, you know, yeah. 88 years old. So like, we got to mm-hmm. be very, very careful. So we canceled the studio audience and I was super bummed at the time because it was like my episode. But now I'm just like, oh my God, I can't believe I got it filmed. Yeah. Which I'm so happy about. But yeah, so then, you know, everything happened so fast, like literally hours things would change. So it was like, okay, we're going to shut down production for a week. And then it was two weeks. And we were able to do a virtual writer's room Mm -hmm. through Zoom, which was fun, um, but also like a bit of a challenge for everybody to like kind of get into the same wavelength. We finished all the scripts for the season. So our, the room room is like kind of on hold and Production is just shut down until TBD. Right. So we're we're in a weird place. We're yeah. in a weird place. Right. I think I'm on unemployatus. Unemployment <laughs> right, hiatus. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm. You know. It, yeah. We we get updates like week by week, and this week we're on hold. You know. Well, we hope you guys are able to get back to production yeah. soon uh because it, not only because we want to see the end of the season but also if you guys are getting back to production it means hopefully everybody else is getting back into right. production and, i mean 
such a weird time. Yeah. Such a weird time. Cause you know, selfishly I'll think about like career wise, like, okay, well, you know, if, if this show is shut down, I need to find another show, but then I'm like, there's no shelf. Right. No, there's, no, there's yeah, no I don't know what yeah. to do at that point, you know? So it's, it's super weird, but we're really hopeful. And the numbers on our first episode were really good and we were really happy about it. And so in a normal world, that would be like, great, cool. Let's do another season. Mm-hmm. But because we don't know anything about anything, mm-hmm. we're like, great, we have these great numbers and we don't know what's going to go, what's going to happen. So it's good. It's weird. Yeah. Nobody knows. It's a it's a weird feeling. Before the COVID went down, take us in, if you can, into the writer's room a little bit. What's this writer's room specifically? How was your guys' kind of gel flowing? And how does the multicam room compare to what the writing that you had done previously? Um, well, it's I was pretty scared to walk into a fourth season of a show. Um, because I was like, I don't know, you know, this is my this was my first official staff writing job. So I was like, I don't know if they're going to have a thing going or if I'm going to be, you know, part of the team. But it it actually worked out really well because Mike and Gloria are the two showrunners. And then there are two executive producer writers that were on the show before that are that stayed. And then the rest of people are new. So it was interesting. We were kind of like a whole new room. And it was, I think, you know, I wasn't there before, but from what I heard, it was a bit of a different vibe and different jokes, different stories. So I think it was, I mean, it was really, I think it was a really good um, mix of people and new stories and new things um, to share, which was good. Yeah. I mean, as I said before, like Mike and Gloria really want us to succeed, which is just like so unbelievable. And, And it's like, you know, they explains things to us, the four new staff writers, and they let us contribute and they let us talk. And, you know, we, it doesn't feel like anybody's a different level in the room. They have to like, we have to like remind ourselves we're all a different level. It's been a little bit different in that than what I expected in that it's been really great. You know, I was kind of expecting to come in as a lowly staff writer and get shit on all the time and, and then go home. But, um, it's like, it was, it was a, a really great experience to be able to like truly contribute to a show and, and they listen to everything and that you say. And I think it was, it was also an interesting experience because it, it has such a, uh, a heartfelt um, aspect to it that it's like, it, you really do tell very emotional stories in the room and, you know, you really do share like a lot of personal things and you have a lot of heavy conversations that turn into funny conversations that turn into scenes. So it's just been really interesting to see how that all works and how like there really isn't any wasted time in the room because even if we're talking about something else, like Mike and Gloria find a way to make it part of the show or make it interesting or get inspired by it in some way. So it's been, um, it's been different than I expected in that it's been a go rate. Yeah. And you know, the, most of the writers, it was, it was hard at first because most of the writer's rooms you are in as not a professional writer are like, you know, two to three hours max. You're in there, you're brainstorming, shooting the shit, and then you go home. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> when it's your job, it's like, well, now you do that for eight hours a day. Yeah. And then you guys get lunch and you sit in there and you talk and you do it during lunch too. And it's like, oh, okay. So I'm just like on right. all day. 
uh, which was a bit more exhausting than I thought it was going to be because everybody was just so like nice and supportive and it's not competitive. It's, it's really been not too bad in that respect. That's great. It sounds like, it sounds like a great room. Not all of them are like that. And it sounds like it's a lot of fun and piggybacking off of that kind of, you know, the, I mean, the show's wall to wall laughs, but it also does tackle a lot of social issues, serious family dynamics, LGBTQ issues and stuff like that. Is that something that you guys are very conscious of in the writer's room or does it kind of just come organically from these characters that have been built? I mean, it's a little bit of both. When we first started coming up with like the season arc, that's where, um, you know, Mike and Gloria really pinpointed the emotional things they wanted to hit and they wanted to see the characters go through. And then, you know, from there, we kind of broke those down into like, what's a funny way to do that? And so, you know, like, for instance, this season is about Penelope's mother motherhood and, you know, her kids are growing up and the job was, okay, we want to talk about that. What's funny sitcom situations that would happen to her to show that. And then, you know, we break down the funny scenes and the funny, um, the funny stories. And then in there, we, you know, find places to balance like the, the serious dialogue with the funny jokes. And Gloria's really good on that, about that. She, you know, this is her show. This is her, these are her characters. This is her, you know, her life, her family. So she really knows who they are. And that's why I think it's so seamless. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's how life is. It's funny one minute and then it's like COVID the next, uh, um, yeah. <laughs> right. you know, it's exactly. like, haha COVID. So, because I think Gloria is like very, this is very much a part of her. She, she's very good at being able to like know when those moments should come and when they should go and when to be funny and when to not. So it's also a really interesting thing. Cause you know, you don't see that in sitcoms. It's not natural to the sitcom. Right set up and I've never seen it done in a way that doesn't make me want to crawl out of my skin besides the show, obviously. So that's why, you know, the show was so interesting to me because at, because the way she can, you know, weave those things in and out pretty seamlessly has been, has been interesting to watch for sure. Absolutely. I mean, I, when I first started watching the show, that was the thing that struck me mm-hmm. was just how a few minutes I would be laughing. And then, you know, 60 seconds later, I'd have tears in my eyes and I'm like, Whoa, this is yeah. a sitcom. Like no sitcom has ever done this to me before. Yeah, there are a couple episodes this season that like we filmed and there's one that was just so it was so emotional we were just like we can't have a studio audience here. Mm-hmm. But it's also it's really funny, but then like the last 10 minutes Rita Moreno does this beautiful beautiful moment and you're just like crying and you're like what the hell is going on? Right, yeah. <laughs> like, no, be, but as you so said, emotional. As you mentioned, that uh, that that's life. That's the way life is. Yeah, yeah. It's and it's it. I really love how seamless they. I say they. We we can make it, which I think is is pretty rare. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, we are having a fantastic and insightful conversation about one day at a time. We're talking with Miss Allison Wong. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more on Film Forward. All right. Welcome back to Film Forward, everybody. We are chatting with Allison Wong, who is a staff writer on the hit series 
one day at a time. Allison. Yes, hi. So paint us the picture. You're sitting there. You're rolling. A live studio audience is cheering. They're laughing at your jokes. And the legend herself, Rita Moreno, is Mm. reading lines that you've written. What is going through your mind? What is going through your mind? Crazy. Um, well, I'm, my constant thought is, oh my God, I hope Rita Moreno doesn't hate me. And by hate me, I mean, she doesn't know who I am. So it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) But like, it's so cool. You know, it's all a very collaborative process. So like by the time the script comes out, it's like a big mess of everybody contributing, whatever, like this joke maybe was somebody else's. Maybe that was this joke. You know, it's like nobody really knows, but you always know which one was your joke. Of course. Being able to see it happen is, I don't know how to say it. It's really cool. It's really cool. Like I try to just be so aware of how cool it is when it's happening to be like, okay, think back to when you were a kid and you were watching sitcoms and like, you know, you thought those jokes were so funny. Like, that's you right now. And like, I'm like really trying to make a point of it to myself, how cool it is. You have to, you have to take it in, you know, you have to yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. It's, it's hard because, you know, when cool stuff is happening, it's also kind of just like life, you know, like mm-hmm. life is life. So you have to sort of remind yourself that this is the cool thing because, you know, we'll be taping like five hours and by like four and a half hours, I'm like, can I go home? This is so annoying, but it's so cool. Yeah, it absolutely. But, you know, you have to remind yourself about you it. You have to remind yourself. I have to do that all the time when I'm on set and, you know, I'm on like hour 12 or whatever and yeah. somebody's annoying me and then I'm like, hey, I'm working with Arnold Schwarzenegger today. <laughs> like this is right. the, this is the dream. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Like I have a freaking EGOT telling a joke that right. I just said. That's really pretty cool. Yeah, that That is the definition of living the dream. Yeah. And I don't know, you know, I don't know how many multicams I'll write for. This could be, you know, the one time that I have a live studio audience. They're mm-hmm. not, you know, there aren't a million multicams anymore. So it there might be, yeah. you know, so I'm trying to like also not take it for granted be like, this is your, this is the moment. This is the cool moment. Absolutely. As with any writer's room, you know, somebody's idea gets in the script, somebody else's idea gets in the script. Is there any one particular character that you find yourself you relate to more than the others or any, any one particular character that you're just like, okay, that character is, that's, that's my voice, you know, like that's the one I kind of cling to. And when we're in the room. Yeah. Well, when I first got the job, I was like, okay, I'm going to be the lesbian writer. I'm going to be Elena's writer, you know, cause sure. She's the gay character and I'm the gay writer. Right. That's why mm-hmm. I'm here. But when I got into the room, there were other gay writers. Imagine that. <laughs> Another full-fledged lesbian sitting right across from me and i'm like oh okay so i guess i don't have to make all the lesbian jokes <laughs> and so i was like kind of surprised but it was actually really cool because uh you know we would both make jokes for elena and then we would like check in with each other and be like does that ring true to you is that a real thing yeah, okay, <laughs> right. and like so and it was so it was, it was kind of fun to have like more queer people in there to be like I'm not, I'm not wrong, right? This is a real thing. Maybe your glasses are okay. Yeah? Okay, great. So, you know, I thought that I was going to be very, very Alina, but actually the episode that I ended up writing was more towards Alex, which is the son. Mm. Um, he's going through some things this year, like really growing up and coming to, into his own, which, you know, I, I ended up kind of relating to and being able to write for. And so that was really cool. And obviously Lydia... Rita Moreno jokes, you just like can't stop making them. 
Right. You just have to keep making them because her character is so good. Yeah, the, her character is amazing and hilarious. And then Allison, you know, as you mentioned, you're in the writer's room for hours and hours. You, you said you're always on. Has being in this writer's room helped with your writing outside of the writer's room? Have you been doing other writing outside of the writer's room? And is it has it kind of like got your juices going at all? Yeah, for sure. I... I definitely have other things that I am working on as we all are. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an endless amount of things to be working on. Um, but I think after the first, like the first month you're like, I'm the most horrible writer who's ever lived. I'm not funny. And you just want to die. And then after you get used to it, you're like, Oh, I'm fine. Everything's fine. And, and then I kind of noticed myself getting like sharper a little bit and like, you know, it's, it's like any muscle, like it was just jokes were coming faster. And I felt like, you know, oh, you just need to like use, use it, Mm -hmm. use it or lose it. Yeah. You got to exercise it. Yeah. So I think that it's helped me. It's definitely helped me like keep my juices going. And since in the past couple of weeks, since I haven't been there working, it's, it's been a bit of a struggle to like get myself to continue going. I mean, obviously I'm, I'm working, but it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit harder to get myself motivated. Right. Right. Well, you're doing a good job. I'm really, really excited about this season of one day at a time. It's starting off with a bang and I can't wait to see what else you guys have in store for the season. We're going to take one more break. And when we come back, Allison's going to help us out with our favorite segment. Give me three. What's up, everybody? Here's another edition of Cinephile News. News for all of you cinephiles out there. Studios like Disney and Universal are reacting to the COVID-19 pandemic by pushing big movies release dates or by releasing their films early or through on-demand services and streaming platforms. In the festival world, South by Southwest canceled their annual music and film festival, and other major festivals are doing the same, including the biggest film festival in the world. The Cannes Film Festival has officially postponed their event with plans to reschedule for the end of June, beginning of July 2020. Hmm. Their words, not mine. But in regards to South by Southwest, many of the short films that would have been playing at this year's festival are now available to stream on Amazon Prime, so check those out. And finally, here at Film Forward, our hearts are going out to the more than 150 independent local art house cinemas all across the country that are on the brink. They are close to slow the spread of COVID-19. Cut off from ticket revenue, these nonprofits and small businesses have already had to slash their budgets to the bone. We can't let the few theaters that still play foreign, classic, art house, and independent films die off as a result of this crisis. Last week, Janus Films and the Criterion Collection contributed $25,000 each to establish the Art House America campaign, a fund to offer immediate assistance paying essential bills and key non-executive staff salaries. Please help independent cinemas survive. To donate, visit GoFundMe and search Art House America. We'll also have a link to this site in our episode info. And that was your Cinephile News, and now, back to myself. All right, we are back, and it's time for our favorite segment, Give Me Three, where our guest gives us three recommendations film or TV that have inspired them or inspired their work. Allison, are you ready? I am. Okay, cool. Let's get that first one. Great. Well, the first 
recommendation I have for you, Nicholas, is a show called Feel Good on Netflix. This is a show that I recently watched within the past couple of days in my quarantine, and I loved it. It was so it's about a a young comic lesbian. Ha ha ha. Uh, I've never <laughs> seen that before. So she's a stand up and then she um she's a bit messed up obviously. She meets a straight girl and then gets into a relationship with her while simultaneously dealing with being in recovery, which sounds hilarious, I know, but <laughs> it is actually really funny. Um and it's just really well written and I think it does a great job at like showing what it's currently like being queer you know it's being queer is changing every five seconds and like what what everything means um but i think it's a really good depiction of like right now what the struggle is so i just really related to the character i thought it was so funny um and definitely made a lot of points of that of things that i'm i'm trying to say as well uh, I love the uh, the balance of comedy and drama in the show. It's like kind of like you your guys' it? show. I've seen a few episodes of it. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's yeah, it's realistically funny. Yeah, really realistically funny. Also, Lisa Kudrow is in oh it. Oh my god, I, she I is. Believe I didn't mention it. Lisa she Kudrow. is unbelievably funny at this. She is nine times funnier than oh Phoebe god. ever was. I'm like, she oh my is god, so funny in this. She's the funniest mom I've seen in a long time. Yeah, she's great. That's a great first one. Feel good. good. I recommend everybody, along with Allison, check it out. It's it's also got a lot of style. It's very, very well made. Yeah, it's cool. And she's a cool hot lesbian. You'll love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, your second one, Allison. Frasier. You guys, Frasier. Ever heard of it? <laughs> so this might seem random, but after writing on a multicam all day, my favorite thing to do would be to come home and watch old multicams like Frasier and Will and Grace and Friends and Golden Girls and all the ones that I watched when I was growing up because it was just like I was watching it sort of through new eyes of being mm-hmm. like, oh, like I know how like I was I was able to like picture the room and like the person who pitched the joke, like right, you know, how did that joke come about? It's so fascinating for me personally now to like know how these jokes get written. Cause like when you watch, sometimes when you watch a multicam, the jokes will be so sharp and fast and funny that you're like, how did you even fucking think of that? Especially in Frasier. Frasier is like one of the wittiest ones. So I like to watch those old school multicams and kind of dissect them now from this other perspective. But also there's something so comforting about early nineties Seattle and just seeing Frasier like <laughs> right. live his uppity life. You're just, I'm just obsessed with it. So here's a moment of honesty, Allison. Don't tell me you've never seen it. Well, I had never seen a single episode of Frasier until this week. I God. And I love Cheers. Like, I'm a a huge Cheers fan. But I, like, for some reason, Frasier, I was just like, it never... I never gave it, it never a chance. It never spoke to me. You know, growing up as a poor ground kid, I was just like, mm-hmm. eh, that, that show's not for me. Uh, and as a kid, it probably Fair wasn't. Enough. But I threw it on this week for the first time ever, and that show has got a future, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they got that, some seasons. That say. show is fucking funny, man. That show should be renewed. It should be. That is that on syndication? I mean, my God. <laughs> it should be. Uh, yeah, I don't know if they're hiring, but I would love to write <laughs> I'd love it's to very write funny. for that. Yes. Excellent choice. My God, Frasier. It's 
It's good. It's good for quarantine because it's got 11 yeah. seasons. It's good to have on in the background. Very good. Kelsey Grammer's great. Oh, he's so good. So if you've done nothing else in this world, Allison, you have introduced me to Frasier. Good. And I want you to watch for David Hyde Pierce because he is just a master. He's a master. He's a master yeah. in Frasier. A complete master. you love it. Okay. The third and final. Oh, this one's such a bummer. I feel really bad that I recommend this, but um, I'm a big into docs. I'm a big mm. docu person, and because I don't know how to read books, so I like to watch docs. <laughs> and one of the most moving documentaries I've seen recently is One Child Nation on Amazon. Had you heard of this before I said it? I have. Yes, I've seen it. Okay, good. Yeah. Oh, okay, great. Great. Some people haven't seen it, um, but I think it's it's especially interesting. To me, because I'm half Chinese, if you hadn't known, and I was born in 1985. So the documentary is about how in the 80s, early 90s, also, mm-hmm. you're only allowed to have one child in China. So if you had another child, you had to get rid of it. It was mandated abortions. You had to give your child away. You had to kill your own child, like do whatever you had to do. They would take it. You could not have more than one child. So this woman was talking about how she was a second-born child. So she was a second-born child in the 80s in, in China. And I was like, that's so interesting because I'm, I'm only half Chinese, obviously, so I can't really like say it's completely analogous. But I was like, I'm, I was an Asian kid who was also born in the 80s, but in America, and I'm also yeah. a second child. And I was like, oh, my God, if I was like fully Chinese in China, would I have been thrown away? That's crazy. That's it's crazy, crazy to, to think about. It's crazy to think about. So it was interesting to me because I was able, you're able to see how Chinese people live and how they think and how they, how they'll do what the government says, because that's just the government. That's the, that's God. Like that's what God says to do. The government told you to get rid of your baby. You get rid of your baby. Like that's it. And so it was so fast. It's so fascinating to see like that horrible experience through the eyes of these people that totally believe in this communist government and that it was for the best. It's very weird, very fascinating, but also very interesting to think about now with this COVID business. Cause I'm like thinking about how China went through their quarantine, their lockdown and are just starting to get out of it. But they have, but the way that they obey their government is entirely different. And like, if they say you don't leave your house, you don't leave your house. Like you're not going to the beach. You're not getting takeout. You do not leave your house. So like that's how the lockdown worked for them. And like seeing their mentality, I'm like, they really didn't leave their houses. But and then like watching us do a lockdown, I'm like, oh, we're so fucked. <laughs> like, oh yeah. We are never gonna do it as good as they are. We just won't. So it, it was interest it's interesting, I think, to look at it from that perspective as well. But also it's just a really fascinating story and a fascinating time period. Um, and got me thinking about like sort of my Chinese roots, because I don't really know much about like, you know, I'm I'm pretty American. So I know you know, the stories of like, your grandmother did this and your grandmother did that, but I don't really know a lot. So it was interesting for me to sort of see people that live there and how they live. And I'm like, oh, my family members, this is how they live. This is how they thought. Yeah. And you see the filmmaker in the movie go through those, Mm -hmm. those same kind of uh, revelations of like finding out all these histories and stories from her family that she had no idea about. It's like, whoa, (laughs) it must have been such a trip. But also, you know, be prepared to um, be very upset. Yes. 
Yes. So maybe one child nation first and then follow it up with a Benson couple of Fraser. So Allison, I mean, those are three great recommendations. I love all of them. I love your show one day at a time. And I love you. I'm so happy to see you killing it you, and, and working on this show. I'm so happy for you. I know you've been busting your butt for a long time and it's great to see great people doing great things and, uh, well, and getting there. You. I appreciate that. You got it. One more time, One Day at a Time airs Tuesday nights on Pop TV. Is that right? It does. Tuesday nights at 9.30 on Pop TV. You can also watch it on poptv.com or the Pop TV app or um, I'm sure some sort of on-demand service. All kinds of ways to watch it. And if you need to catch up on it, seasons one through three are available on Netflix. I know all you got time because you're all stuck at home. So watch this show. It is hilarious and it deserves all the love that it's getting. Allison, thank you again so much for joining us. Thank you, Nick. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we will catch you guys next time on Film Forward. Our recording engineer and mixer is Anselm Kennedy. The podcast is produced by Anselm, Sonia Maru, and yours truly. Thanks for joining us on Film Forward, and you'll hear us next time.